Hey now, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. Today, we're talking about money, and we're especially talking to those of you out there who are divorced. We're talking about your financial plan, particularly if you're a woman and you're getting divorced. There are some things you need to consider, and that's what this show is all about today. So if you're a man and you're getting divorced It'd be good for you to hang around and see what everybody's talking about. And maybe this will just help those of you who are out there in a perfect marriage because you never know when you're going to learn something you didn't know about how to handle your finances. You see, my guest today is Beth Krzyzewski. Did I get it right, Beth? Beth Krzyzewski? Krzyzewski. She's a divorce financial planner, and she's going to help us understand what happens to your finances before you get divorced, after you get divorced, during the process, and what you should be thinking about when it comes to your financial plan. So please join me in welcoming Beth to the Inside BS Show. Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. It's great to see you. All right. So um, I, you know, I have a little bit of experience with this. First, I was I've been divorced myself, but we didn't have a lot of money. It was a hundred years ago. But my sister actually just got divorced a couple of years ago. So this is a topic that is particularly close to me because there's a whole host of things that we didn't think about until after the process was over. So let's start by having you tell us why you picked this area as a as a focus for your practice. Thanks, David. It was a little bit of this area, I think, picking me as well as me picking it, as so often things happen in in life. So I've been a financial planner for about 20 years. I've always found that there's this balance between making good technical recommendations as a financial planner, but also being aware of the emotional impacts of making decisions. And so I think over the years, it's really been about five years ago, we really started attracting a lot of women who were thinking about getting divorced, going through divorce, recently divorced. And so the these women kept coming to us. And so finally I said, okay, I think it's time to get serious about this. So a few years ago, I finished my certified divorce financial analyst, um, which was additional education and designation. And really now, um, while we work with people who aren't divorced, most of the clients coming in to work with us now are going through, are in some phase of the divorce process, and most of them being women. So what is a couple of pieces of advice you wish you could give to people about their finances, about their financial plan before they get divorced? What should they, what should they think about before they, they make the big move, before they go to visit the attorney? What should they be thinking about? I think, first of all, is to have a financial game plan. So often we find that people are staying in a marriage because they're worried about the financial ramifications of the divorce. They're worried that they're going to end up living in a box on the street. I have no clients who have ended up in a box on the street. So that's the good news. Um, so I think just having a financial game plan is the first piece. The number one piece of advice that I give anyone during divorce is to make sure that they hire the right team. The biggest mistake that I see people make is they hire the wrong attorney. People don't understand that sometimes divorce attorneys don't just do divorce work. They also do other work. They need to hire someone who focuses in divorce. They need to understand if their case is more revolved around custody issues with kids or if it's a highly financial divorce. And if it is a highly financial divorce, 
hiring an attorney that knows that, and even better, hiring a certified divorce financial analyst to pair along with them. So I think overall, having a game plan, and that can be tough because divorce is so overwhelming, but to know that making thoughtful decisions about the finance during divorce and hiring the right people to support the the person during the divorce. Now, Beth, how often do you uh, come across folks in a divorce who don't have a lot of visibility into the finances and the relationship? And what do you recommend they do, uh, you know, before the process starts? I mean, I guess it really depends on the, the emotional stability of the situation, but like everybody should have visibility into their into their finances from the beginning, right? And now it's time for another Sandrowski Business Minute. With us today is John Alfonsi. So, John, I've got a lot of intellectual property in my firm. Now, I have my intellectual property all protected. I have it set up in a separate entity. But how do we place a value on this intellectual property? Well, in the accounting world, Dave, it always... Bottom line answer, it depends. So if it's income-producing IP, meaning it's either being uh, licensed to somebody or it's used in a product that generates revenue, the value of that IP, like any other sort of a business asset, is going to be the present value of the future cash flows that that IP is going to otherwise generate. So you need to otherwise get your arms around what that IP is, the revenues that can generate, and figure out what either those future royalties are going to be or the cash flow from the sale of those products. If it's non-income producing IP, say it's used in your operations, but it's not otherwise related to a particular product, but it's used as part of your process, a lot of times the value of that IP is going to be its reproduction cost or how much would it cost me to reproduce what I otherwise have. If it's protected via a patent, that's one way that we always look at it in patent-type cases, is the value or the amount of the damages shouldn't be any more than what it would cost to work around that patent or that IP. So cost of reproduction or replacement um, is something that we always look at. All right, John, so if people have questions about the value of their intellectual property, how do they get in touch with you? They can reach us at our toll-free number, 866-717-1607, or go to our website, cca-advisors.com, or contact me directly via email at jta at sensel, C-E-N-D-S-E-L.com. This has been your Sandrowski Business Minute with John Alfonsi. Until tomorrow, we'll see you back here again. But remember, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they're a CPA firm with a different perspective. Absolutely. And you know, we find even with our married couples, typically one spouse is usually the one, there's always one who's a little bit more involved in the finances. And that can range just depending on the marriage. But typically when we're working with someone going through divorce, they were not very involved with the finances. Either that was done as a power move in the marriage or our client was just typically not the one who was the more involved in the finances. The first step is the tax return tells a lot of truth. Um, So 
pulling, getting the most recent tax return and sitting down with someone and just understanding. So by looking at the tax return, it's easy to understand what assets are out there, what income is there, and just getting a good sense of, um, you know, making sure going in eyes wide open of everything that, that might be out there. Um, the other piece would be a pulling a, a recent credit report. Um, so, you know, 80% of the time, there aren't any big surprises, but 20% of the time, there there are surprises, either with debt that was there that the person wasn't aware of, maybe assets that they thought were there that aren't actually there, or maybe there's assets there that they didn't even realize. So the tax return and the credit report are two great places to start. Yeah, I have a, I have a client that I've worked with for 15 years, and he handles IRS controversy work, and he, he's an attorney. And he tells stories all the time about uh, people who come to his office and he has to go to the IRS and fight for an innocent spouse uh, relief because they the one spouse doesn't know that the other one has not paid the taxes on behalf of them for years and years and years until there's a divorce. I can just imagine some of the some of the situations that you've seen with people who are going through the divorce process or after the divorce process. What what point in this process does it make sense for um, the, you know, the person who's the non-financial spouse to come to you and say, listen, you know, we're going to go through this process. I got a lawyer. Uh, you know, what do you need so that I can make sure I get you everything like when should the person come to you? What point in the divorce process? I think at the point where they're feeling financially overwhelmed. And I say that because I think there's an emotional overwhelm that sort of um, um, is an umbrella over the entire divorce process. But and, and, and if that emotional overwhelm is so strong that the financial overwhelm can't poke its way through, the person realistically is probably not in the place to be able to fully deal with the finances. So I would say being aware of when those questions start to come up of what assets do, like when those financial questions start to come up is the right time. Typically earlier is is better. However, sometimes we're brought in right before settlement to dig deeper and make sure that the client really understands what is what they're agreeing to in the settlement. Um, and that can work as well. That can also work to come in towards the end. Um, typically earlier is better. And at the point where someone is just like, this doesn't feel quite right to me. I don't feel like I fully understand the finances. That is usually the best time when they're ready to engage in the process. Yeah. How, how involved do you get when it comes to helping somebody who's never done the financials and now they may have to do a budget, right? Because they're they're used to living on. They're used to being a two income family with one, typically one home, let's say, and all the bills are coming into one place. Now they're this person is separate and apart, and maybe they have half of the expenses for the children. They have their own living expenses that have to be paid for now, and maybe they've never done a budget. They've never had to handle the finances themselves. Do you get involved at, at that level or is that something they have to figure out how to how to handle on their own? We definitely do. So um, I have a client who didn't know the difference between a debit card and a credit card. And so we are happy to get in at the basic level of figuring out 
Um, how do I pay for bills? That first tax return that's filed after divorce can often be really scary, like what's sort of basic to most people. So we're there to help handhold with that. Um, however, our goal is to work on empowering women. So a lot of the women that we work with, they either felt that they didn't have the ability to really embrace the finances or maybe their spouse wasn't allowing them to and we are here to help them. So I always say I will help someone figure out what they need to ask at the car dealership to buy their first car. I will be on call, but I'm not going to go with them to the car dealership. And that's done intentionally. Our goal is to empower as opposed to just saying, "Oh, you sweet poor lady, why you're not capable of doing this? Why don't I just do it for you?" Um, but it's an educational process where we definitely hold hands and let go when it's time to let, you know, let someone go out and um, I say balance their checkbook. I don't know who actually balances their checkbook anymore, but you know, we, we let go as, as people create are ready. A, create a budget and, and you know, allocate living expenses, that sort of thing. And along those lines, Beth, what's your guidance on how much should be spent, I guess, on a percentage basis on like your, you know, your, your home, your, like your mortgage or your rent, how much should be spent? Like at, at what point do you know when, you can afford, for example, to pay uh, for a private education for your children, that sort of thing. What are some good rule of thumb percentages for, for people who are going to be new to having to having to make some of these decisions? So you're right. There are certain rules of thumb. So less than 20% of income should be um, spent on house on on the house and living expenses. However, for someone who's recently divorced, to determine what the income is is not always straightforward I mean, yeah. because their income may be a combination of child support, maintenance, and or income being distributed off of assets. And so, while there are some rules of thumb, we take a very comprehensive approach to look at. Okay, given the income that's coming in and the size of assets that were received you know, what are some reasonable living expenses? And we project that out over time to make sure that, you know, most people want to have plenty of money to live past, well past age 70, 80, 90, um, and really backing into it that way. I always, that day after divorce is usually a combination of two things. One, there's typically some relief. Two, it can be pretty emotional. But three, it's also pretty darn scary because people are like, oh, wow. This is when the rubber hits the road. I rarely, rarely recommend that anyone makes a big, huge decision about anything right away, whether it's... So, for example, if someone needs to reduce their living expenses, we do that over time. Um, If someone needs to move into a different house, we may not do that right away. They may have kids that are going to be out of the house in a few years. So it's usually a stair-step approach towards getting into those percentages and numbers that are safe to have someone feel financially confident for their entire life. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely understand that. And that's, that's absolutely sound advice because the emotional roller coaster, you you don't want to, you don't want to do anything until you're sure you're in a place where it's, uh, where it's stable. Now, what, what is, what is your experience with, uh, when it comes to custody I think you mentioned it at the beginning of our time together that uh, often the financials will kind of take a back seat. So if there's if there's custody involved, how shouldn't shouldn't you be by the person's side to kind of be the guardian of the financials because I know 
from watching people that I'm close to go through this process, custody was everything. And the person, particularly the woman in the relationship, was willing to give up some of the financial, um, you know, some of the financial assets that that she was entitled to to make sure that the custody went smoothly. I mean, a good lawyer is probably going to take a step back and go, hey, wait a minute, you don't have to give in here just to get that over there. But shouldn't shouldn't somebody come to you, lay out their entire portfolio, and you say, this is something you want to make sure you keep, and then go to the lawyer and say, isn't she entitled to keep this? Like, I guess, I guess this is kind of a ham-handed way of asking, look, somebody needs to watch out for the money here and make sure that you don't give up too much on the financial side to get custody of the kids. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. And Dave, I think you said it exactly right. So this is one of the saddest things that I see in divorce. And let's just be honest about it. Like no one does it intentionally, right? Like no one is trying to buy their kids or sell their kids. But unfortunately, that's sort of what ends up happening sometimes in the divorce negotiation. And as you had mentioned, Dave, I think a good attorney or, you know, having that right team along the way, it's like, Custody, typically custody is decided first, right? As it should be. And then it should be like, okay, now we've decided custody. Now let's discuss finances. And they really, and when I say they need to be separate, they shouldn't be negotiated for each other. Obviously, if one of the spouses has, um, you know, more custody of the kids, then the the, the finances need to su- support the living arrangement that's decided for the kids, but it is a really sad and unfortunate thing when you see sort of this, um, you know, all agree to a 60-40, but then uh, split it with the kids, but then that means X, Y, Z for the assets. That's always sad, very, very sad when it comes to that. And it doesn't have to. Well, and two, you said the word, the most important word in there. And this is every conversation I've ever had with a family law attorney, whether it's here on the show or as, as one of my clients or just over, over a beer hanging out with friends. Every conversation I've had with a family law attorney is that divorce is not as much of a fight as it is a negotiation. And if you're dealing with someone on the other side who, has experience in negotiating, they understand leverage. And unfortunately, in divorce, when you're dealing with children and, you know, emotions, a lot of people will view them as leverage, if, especially if they want to try and maximize the financial gain from the situation. My advice to the people in my life who've gone through this is exactly what you said. Figure out what the, take it exactly as if you were at at the bargaining table with a union negotiation. What's the most important thing? Let's negotiate that first and keep everything else separate and apart and do not allow the, you know, the the custody to be used as leverage. Um, You know, the minute that you start talking holistically about doing this for that when it comes to, uh, you know, the children's welfare or custody of the children, you're going to lose. I mean, you're, you're not, and by lose, I mean, you're going to be less happy than you could have been because there's no winning in a divorce. It's, there's degrees of losing. So you want to try and lose as small as possible financially, psychologically, and emotionally. You want to remain as intact as possible. 
And that's what I tell people who are going through a divorce they should be looking for in an attorney. You don't want the attorney who's going to bang on the desk. You want the attorney who's going to help you get through the process intact or in as good a shape as you possibly can. And that's why I love your idea of having your financial advisor involved right from the beginning. So give us a give us kind of an, a window into what that looks like, Beth. So, you know, uh, let's say a woman comes to you and uh, she's just starting out in the divorce process. Her attorney, some maybe somebody, you know, that you're connected to through the group that we're a member of, Provisors, refers somebody over to you. What happens next? Yeah, and my involvement can it ranges depending on the attorney. So I'll give you one example or two examples from right now. So um, there's some attorneys that or clients who engage with us, as I mentioned, right at the end of the process, right? Like you're getting ready to sign that marital settlement agreement and you're saying, oh my gosh, is $4 million enough? Am I mm-hmm. going to have to sell the house? Like what does this mean? Like so many times when people are said, hey, you're going to get X million dollars and, you know, $10,000 a month. So if you haven't been involved in the finances, it's hard to understand the reality. So that's one case. Another extreme case is some of the attorneys that we work with, they want to focus more on things such as the guardianship and the those types of issues and not the financial part. So we can be involved from the very beginning on um, you know helping determine what documents need to be requested, reviewing documentation. We don't do the forensic work, which means that you know if there's more complicated, if there, we're concerned that one spouse is stealing assets or something, um, that goes on to someone else. But we look at various settlement options, saying if this spouse receives this and this one receives that, what does that look like for both of them? We advise on which once the the percentages are determined, which assets should be split up. We're often brought in for more complicated assets, such as restricted stock, deferred compensation plans, things such pension plans, things such as that, which aren't as easily um, they're not put cut and dry. So our involvement um, sort of it ranges based off of the other professionals involved in the needs of the um, the client. We're speaking with Beth Krzyzewski. She's a divorce financial planner. You can reach out to her at 773-975-4020, 773-975-4020. Beth, talk about some of the uh, some of the other things that people don't think about when going through the divorce process and that's let's start with insurance, right? You probably you probably had your insurance together or at minimum you were probably each other's beneficiaries. You got to get into, you know, you got to get into CPATH and get that changed like right away because you probably, you, you know, you might want to, and talk, talk about that planning process and let's start with insurance, but let's also talk about, uh, you know, a trust maybe for the kids because you don't want your spouse getting any money. If something happens to you, walk us through that part of the process. So if I think what you're asking is sort of like this post-divorce checklist, right? Right. right. What, is, what are all the things? Afterwards. Yeah. What yeah. are all the things you got to get yeah. straightened out that people don't, you know, that it's like, I just got my get out of jail free card and, you know, right. let me get my, let me, let me download Tinder and hit the bars, but you don't, they're not, they're not thinking about Usually all the Usually that happens stuff. before the divorce, Dave, um, <laughs> but it, before the divorce is finalized. Um, so... Well, the first one I actually want to mention are mortgages. So if you have a great divorce attorney, this won't happen. But I see people, uh, let's say the wife receives the house in the divorce, and she's like, wait a second, I have to refinance? And my husband's name can't be on that mortgage anymore? Wait a second, I don't have enough income to even qualify for the mortgage that 
of the house that I now own. So that is something to pay attention beforehand, but something that would also need to be cleaned up afterwards. Every single piece of the financial picture needs to be gone through post-divorce. So when you said insurance, you're referring to life insurance. So there may be a requirement to keep life insurance. Maybe you don't, or you may not need some of the insurance you had before. So looking at that, um, as you had mentioned, the estate plan, gosh, that's always the worst is when I have a client comes in who realizes that they still have their ex-spouse as the beneficiary on their 401k plan at work. So um, there's a lot that needs to be looked at. As I mentioned earlier, that first tax return can be quite overwhelming of gathering everything that needs to um, be in place to file that first tax return. It's a pretty extensive list of everything that needs to just be looked at. We figure out what's the highest priority first, because again, the day after someone gets divorced, they do not want a to-do list of 100 things that needs to be done. So we figure out what's the highest priority and work through that, um, work through our items over the next year to two years. Some of the things can wait. So... And what happens, Beth? Uh, just curious, and uh, I, you know, I, 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 most of the questions I ask, I have a vague idea of the answer. This one, I really don't have a, a, a clue as to as to how you handle it. What happens if you do the plan for a couple, right? And then is there like a race to your office to see who's going to keep Beth in the in the divorce? How does that work? <laughs> so, in the situations where we've had clients get divorced, we actually engage differently with them. So, we engage as a financial neutral in that process. And so, we are creating scenarios for a win-win. As I know you said divorce feels like losing, but we work on scenarios of division of assets on a win-win basis. Um, typically we've ended up keeping both clients post-divorce. Oh, okay. Um, recently we have a, a client who they got divorced and the wife decided that she wanted to liquidate a lot of assets to buy real estate. And so, um, that is a, but typically we end up working, um, with, that's a rare, a, a less common situation for our divorces. Typically we're representing one party or the other, um, but when I, we have had clients, we've had sort of most of them both end up staying clients at the end. Now, what happens in the case of a uh, like a, like the college plan for the kids and that sort of thing? They, you know, typically the the, the lawyers deal with all right. You're going to contribute this amount, and you're going to contribute that amount. But does one parent become like the the custodian of the the college plan? Then how does that how does that get allocated or handled in a divorce situation. Yeah, at least in the state of Illinois, and I think this is a federal rule that only want, there can only be one um, owner of a 529 college savings plan. So it could be one of, if, so let's say that owner is the wife um, and let's say husband is required to contribute. Quite often there'll be a second 529 plan where the husband is the owner of that one. Um, so you know, I have seen a few situations where um, one spouse is contributing to uh, the 529 plan that the other spouse owns. It really just depends on the situation. I like it to be separated. If someone's putting their own money into something, I think that they should have control of that asset. Yeah. Okay. So what are um, what are some of the 
the big misses when it comes to uh, sophisticated people who are getting divorced? Like, you know, uh, a, a dummy like me would come to you and just be like, all right, Beth, you know, hand me, hand me the checklist and let me go through and make sure I got everything. But there are a lot of people out there, a lot of people who listen to the show, watch the show, who are smart. Right. So uh, and they're sophisticated and, you know, they're professionals and maybe they think they know or that maybe they do know a lot more about the, the process than I do. What are some things that you see smart people miss? What are some mistakes that smart people make when it comes to divorce? Like the way where you go, man, I'm shocked that this person didn't know about this. I love that you asked that smart people make because I think people feel like they're idiots. And it's like, no, this is like, if you just haven't been through this, number one is hiring the wrong attorney. Um, That is absolutely the number one biggest mistake. Um, I would say number two is, um, you know, I've seen different things being pulled over on people where they don't understand that there's different tax treatment to different types of assets. And so they agree to receive some type of asset that has a much larger tax burden than the asset that their spouse received. So that's a big one. Um, as I had mentioned too, and a good attorney is going to catch all of, you know, a lot of this stuff as well, but um, needing, get receiving the house and not being able to carry the mortgage. Um, those are, again, the hiring the wrong attorney. Is the biggest. It yeah, is let's absolutely we'll, number number one, two, and three. I wanna I wanna get I wanna get your thoughts on that. Let's first though. Let's talk about the mortgage thing. So what do we do? So in that in that situation, I guess you go you go to friends and relatives and get somebody to co-sign the mortgage for you. I mean that's that's pretty much all you. You definitely don't want that other person staying on the mortgage. Right, selling the home. I mean, there's ways around it too, where if it's agreed upon that they're that the kids are going to stay in the home for X period of time, there's wonderful language that can be put into marital settlement agreements that state that maybe the two of them are going to own the property for a period of time. And then at the sale of the home, there has to be first right of refusal to the other spouse. So there's ways to handle it. It's just that I just know that sometimes going to divorce, the, ho- the home is a very emotional asset. So some people will say, I'll give up anything to keep the house. That's a big mistake, by the way, too. Um, and, and, and then get themselves into trouble. So either in trouble that with the mortgage that we talked about or the fact that they may be receiving this asset that ki- and they, they gave away assets that were producing income um, to their spouse while keeping an a, an ex, an asset that requires you know income going into it as opposed to sending out so that can be a big issue is just agreeing to keeping these illiquid assets and that mainly the house is the biggest the most common I should say of those okay let's go through Beth's tips for picking a good divorce lawyer what are these, what, what should what should we be looking for? And this is this is great because usually I ask divorce lawyers this question. So now I'm asking somebody who works with many divorce lawyers. What are what's your best advice for picking a, a, a divorce lawyer? This is the smart person's guide. So knowing that even smart people don't realize to ask this question, the number one question is: Is your primary practice fi- family law? Um, that is number one. Number two: Who will I be working with? Um, so, you know, is there a partner involved? How is, you know, do you have a colleague? How is it decided when one, uh, you know, how does that relationship work between you and your colleague? When are you involved in the case? Um, and then I think that 
I think number three, it's always good to have a referral, right? Like someone knowing. That's my number one. Yeah. Yeah. Get a referral from somebody who is either use this person or spends a lot of time with them. Yeah. And I've had a situation um, in the last year where someone was referred to someone and still, I think if they had asked those other two questions, um, they would have maybe made a different decision. Um, Ask about fees. It's important. And in my experience, I can never prove this. Let's just be honest. But in my my hypothesis is, is that by paying a higher hourly rate to an attorney, so going with an attorney that has a higher hourly rate, my hypothesis is that those divorces actually end up getting done with less money than sometimes a, a lower. I, I'm I'm not saying that you know they're more efficient. Yeah. Yes, and so I think that that that's. And I think asking the attorney, what's your ideal case, right? Like, because as you had talked about the the attorney that bangs their hands on the on the table, every once in a while that is needed. Um, you know, it's not. And so I think it's getting a, a, an understanding of that. I think the other thing is, is I don't think that people understand going into divorce that there's more than one path, right? There's sort of the traditional litigation path, there's mediation, there's collaborative. And so I think understanding, um, asking, you know, knowing where the attorney prefers to practice, and then asking them, what are, asking the attorney saying, okay, so you're an attorney that prefers to do mediation. When do you see that mediation works? When do you see that mediation doesn't work? And trying to, um, you know, I have another client where they had started down a mediation path, and I'm not saying it's a bad situation, but this divorce never could have been mediated. This, it will end up going to trial. And so I think, you know, understanding where that attorney's sweet spot is and if your particular circumstances meet that sweet spot. Yeah, I think the the best thing for people to do is start with the referral. So if you're if you're in Chicago, you call Beth and you say, Beth, here's my situation. Here's uh, here's what I'm looking to. Here's how I'm looking to proceed in the divorce. I want to negotiate and get it done quickly. I want to fight tooth and nail for everything that I can get. I'm worried about the kids. I'm worried about the beach house. I'm worried about this. And then Beth can pair you with the right person who's a good fit. Because Beth, much like me, we see the good, the bad, and the ugly with divorce lawyers. I mean, I've seen, and by the way, folks, and let's see if Beth agrees with me on this, Super lawyers, you know, best of this, best of that. It's all crap. None of that means anything. Do not hire a lawyer based on a plaque on the wall. Hire a lawyer that somebody who you trust has had experience with or even better than that, go to somebody like Beth, explain what's going on, explain what your what your goals are, explain what's most important to you because you can have quick, you can have cheap, and you can have good. You can get two of those three, but you can't get all three. Yeah. <laughs> so tell Beth what you're looking for. <laughs> I always tell everyone, reach out to me. So we have a minimum. We don't work with marital states under $3 million. Part of it's because we have a large number of clients coming in. However, we are happy to be that divorce attorney matchmaker. So for you know, we're happy to have a free consultation with anyone to talk about the financial situation and then make sure we always refer out to three attorneys. I typically try to refer, you know, one big firm, one small firm, you know, to get, a, you know, two female attorneys, one male attorney to get just sort of a different feel. 
Um, but we're more than happy to be that divorce mat, the divorce attorney matchmaker. Yeah, no the the worst the worst thing you can do is go to your real estate attorney and have your real estate attorney say, "Oh, I can do that. I took a divorce class in law school." And he, you definitely don't. That's who you don't want. Right? You absolutely don't want. You don't want the divorce lawyer in the strip mall. You don't want the divorce lawyer who's on a billboard doing personal injury cases. <laughs> Those are people you don't want. Yeah, my preference is always for someone to work with someone who only does right. divorce work. Now, that means they may do prenuptial agreements or adoption stuff, but they're focused purely in Guardianship. family yeah. law. And that's, yeah. I have a, a pretty strong feeling towards that. I'm 100% with you. I would never send anybody I cared about to somebody who dabbles in divorce. That's like somebody dabbling in parachute manufacturing. You don't want to take that chance. All right, Beth, I want you to think of three things we should take away from our time together today. Three things that are important for people to remember, because I need to remind folks that we are brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Now, earlier in the show, you heard me do the Sandrowski Business Minute. I want to remind you that Sandrowski Corporate Advisors is a CPA firm with a different perspective. They can help you with your tax planning. They can do some consulting on structuring of a business. They can help you with family office advisory, dispute advisory, business valuations. They can help you with all of these things. If you want to reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, you can give them a call at 866-717-1607. 866-717-1607. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. Now, listen, you're a professional. You need to grow your business and you need to do it in a way that takes relationships into account because all professional services are relationship businesses. SEO, advertising, all that stuff, it has its place. But if you have a business development plan that's based on thought leadership and relationships, you're on the right track. If you want to know what I'm talking about, I've got a free gift for you. Go to this website, revenueroadmapguide.com. All those words together, throw a .com on the end, revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info there. You can immediately download the business development plan I use with my clients. Now, I help my clients go from six figures to seven in new business development. I also help them take their uh, their client relationships from seven figures beyond if you want to use that same plan, all you need to do is go to revenueroadmapguide.com, enter your contact info. You can customize it for yourself, just like I customize it for my clients. This is my gift to you as a way to say thank you for watching the show and for listening. So if you need to reach out to Beth, if you like what you heard today, and, and why wouldn't you? It's rational, it's sane, and it is the way to go if you are a woman and you have a situation where you're going to get divorced, you're going through a divorce, or you're in the post-divorce process, give Beth a call at 773-975-4020. 773-975-4020. All right, Beth, what are the three things we should take away from our time together today? I think number one is having a plan. Divorce is tough. It is so difficult to sort of step in and get a plan. But if you can have a financial plan and a financial roadmap, it will make all the difference down the road. Number two, if you haven't heard me say enough, hire the right attorney, hire the right professionals. And number three, the best piece of advice that I give everyone, again, is that day after divorce, it may not feel great. This whole process is wrecking and destroying. But the biggest piece of advice that I tell people is if you can just look out three years 
And as long as you are willing to be coached and be helped, I have never had a client who is not happier three years post-divorce than they are the day after divorce. It sucks during that time, but know that there is hope to have a better and happier life in the future. Man, that third point is a killer. And I will tell you from experience, I've seen it with people in my family, even the kids are better off. If you think that divorce is going to take a toll on your children, it's your marriage that's taking, most of the time, it's your marriage that's taking more of a toll on the children than the actual divorce itself. Beth, such great advice. I really appreciate you being on here. Folks, if you need help with uh, this or any financial guidance, I strongly encourage you, if you're in Illinois, reach out to Beth. You can call her at 773-975-4020, 773-975-4020. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. You were a fantastic guest. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Dave. Alrighty, folks, that'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo. I'll be back here again tomorrow with another great interview. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.